All right, Brian, it is now time for us to turn things over to our dear listeners and uh, fans there on Twitter for the Twitter mailbag. First question from Adam D'Souza, and I we got this from a couple people, and so I wanted to you know uh, put it in here and do a mailbag segment instead of taking up time. We were talking about the 53. Any big names or any names at all that interest you from cuts? I think that everybody's looking at these offensive linemen mainly, um, and so when we look at some of those names, you see uh, Chuma Idoga, who there was some chatter that maybe they were trying to trade for him the other day. Alex Leatherwood, a shocking cut one year after going 17th overall to the Raiders. He gets cut. Uh, and then another one that I think should be of note, Kellen Deesh, the rookie from Arizona State, a guy that they visited to Dallas and, and a guy that I know that they, they were considering later on in day three. Uh, so those are just some of the the offensive tackle names that I think could be in play there. Chuma Yudoga, Alex Leatherwood, and then uh, Kellen Deesh. Uh, you have any thoughts or any opinions on any of those guys? Yeah, I reached out to Gang of Seven, which is I, which is something I always do. And if you follow me on 105.3 The Fan, my Gang of Seven are guys and gals around the league that are personnel guys, uh, personnel gals and guys, general managers, directors of player personnel, pro scouts, stuff like that, people that watch this tape. And you and I were talking this morning, Bob, about uh, Dish about mm-hmm. Kellen Deesh. And I had a scout reach out to me and said, I watched him yesterday. And he said he played only about 30 plays in the preseason. He's long and he can bend. I agree with that. You watch the Arizona State tape, you can see that. He says he looks like he can pass protect. Very interesting. College makeup doesn't sound good. So then, you know me, college makeup guy, right? I got to ask. Yeah. Okay, average average mentally will space out, has some mental areas, errors. Passion for the game was questioned uh, by his school. Up and down confidence. You know, people can't recommend him, can rub people the wrong way. Uh, you know, people were saying, like, if he got released, they might pass on this guy because of that makeup. So if this is what a team, you know, knows about a guy – I'm sure all the other teams know about him as well on that. Okay. Now we shift to uh, Leatherwood. Okay. And I asked one of asked my guys about him. And uh, this is where, uh, again, if you were listening to 105.3, the fan, the G bag nation, I was talking about this quite a bit. You should be, you should be listening to 105.3 all the time on the Odyssey. Yeah. At 240. I always, if you know, you can on the Odyssey app, you should be listening because at 2.40, I do a – we talk a ton of Cowboys, by the way. Yeah. You know, seriously, if you don't listen to 105.3 The Fan, if you're out of state, uh, out of the country, whatever, you can get us on YouTube. You can get us on uh, – uh, what's the – Twitch. I mean, yep. there's all kinds of things you can get us. And we we talk Cowboys like 80% of the time. Yeah. So, so – but here's the thing about Leatherwood that I got. He goes – I said, Alex Leatherwood bad? He goes, definitely not good. I didn't think he was bad at guard last year as a guard, just inconsistent with his technique, but you could see the talent and the traits. He was bad at tackle last year and has been terrible at tackle this preseason. So that's kind of what a director of player personnel thought about watching tape of Alex Leatherwood. Now, the Cowboys might be completely different on the guy. 
completely different on all these players. Sure. But it's it's hard to get excited because every one of my gang of seven, like I like to call them, they haven't given me any, any hope on on these guys. The, the one hope they gave me was Jason Peters. Now, maybe Jason Peters is a guy that you sign after week one as a backup in case something does go wrong with Tyler Smith. Well, I, I if you want a little bit of a more optimistic take, I guess, than on, uh, on Alex Leatherwood, I reached out to somebody and was told, uh, yeah, you don't want to necessarily throw too much at him, but if you give him one position, whether it's guard or tackle, and a consistent voice, a good teacher, he will be a good player. Okay. And so, some some that's and that's that's good. Hey, you know, it's good to have good, and it's good to have bad too sometimes. But yeah, that's that's where you're that's where you're at with these guys. You know, you you're, you get excited when you someone says, "Oh no, a really good player." You know, man, it's going to cost you a lot. You know, Walker Little that we talked about from Stanford. You know, who, you know, I haven't seen Jacksonville's cuts. I assume he made Jacksonville's roster. Okay, I know for a fact the general manager there really likes the guy. So if you want to go get Walker Little or any one of these good tackles from somebody, it's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be throw a fifth-round pick like Amari Cooper kind of a thing. It's going to be you're going to have to give us something significant to make that happen. Yeah, I I, I think that – they're they're more likely, I think, to pluck somebody off waivers right now than I, I think they would be to go trade somebody. I don't know yeah, if they really want to go capital. Um, sticking to the offensive line, a question from uh, Luca Brazzi uh, on Twitter. <laughs> he says, "Who would your week one starting offensive line consist of? Not what you think the team will do, but but who you would want out there." For me personally, Brian, I'm going to go now with Tyron Hurt. Give me Tyler Smith at left tackle, Connor McGovern at left guard. Matt Farniak at center, Zach Warner at right guard, Terrence Steele at right tackle. I, I think you got it right. I do. I I would replace the center. And if well, let's go ahead and practice maybe the whole training camp. And you saw him play three games like he played the other day. I would consider playing him at right tackle instead of Steele. But Steele has made a lot of st- made a lot of starts. I need to stop throwing dirt on steel, but to your, I would trade out the center. And I would, I think you're right about the offensive line. Would you potentially, since you mentioned Jason Peters, would you want to, if you got to choose the offensive line, would you go Peters at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, Farniak at center? The gang of seven said Peters, like don't watch him early from last year, watch him later. And he got better. So, Man, there's the side of me that, that would say if I he played 16 games last year, yeah. which is kind of rare for him. Uh, right now, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I I'd like to believe because he's always been kind of a big, you know, heavy, sloppy hey, guy, and he's guy. he's 40 years old, but he's also one of those guys that could probably he could probably like come in out of shape and play just fine. So I think I'd, I'd need to see him practice a little bit before I'd make that determination. Question from Nerf Herder. Israel Mukwamu makes the 53-man roster. Do you expect Mukwamu to play any nickel corner during the regular season? I think so. I don't think it's going to happen often, but they they were putting him out there with first-team rep times. Yeah. How much maybe dime? 
you know, if you if you yeah. if if you get something, if you determine that bland, maybe bland Brown digs, you know, maybe Jordan Lewis, you know, maybe they're kind of thinking other ideas. But I mean, I like Jordan Lewis. Don't get me wrong. But McQuamu with the length and stuff like that, maybe when they go they go six DBs, I could see him getting out there and playing before Nashawn Wright. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and like I said, we saw him get assignments where he was asked to carry CeeDee Lamb, and he did it a couple he, times. He sure did. Sure did. Absolutely. Next question here from Jake. How do you view Damone Clark's role on this team when he returns? Do you see him pushing to Brill Cox for snaps as linebacker four, or will he just be a depth piece slash nah. special? contributor yeah i think they'll watch it that is a big physical guy he is a lot different than cox cox can cover cox is an okay tackler you know cox is not the physical player that clark is i think the cowboys and i'm saying this as a proud lsu alum and i i think jabril cox is fine i appreciate what he did clark was a kid that for two years played on a bad team And he was a leader. He was the heart and soul of that defense that really, really struggled at times. But, man, he was a physical beast out there. So, yes, you're going to be very, very happy you have a guy like Clark uh, in this lineup, uh, hopefully more sooner than later. Question from Rich Ballard. Josh Gordon just got cut from Kansas City. Do you think the Cowboys should sign him? Being there isn't that much experienced wide receivers in the locker room right now. Also, he'd be cheaper than some of the other free agents out there like OBJ. I just don't know that anybody in the NFL feels like they will ever be able to trust Josh Gordon. And it's not just about the marijuana or anything else. It's just about he has a reputation league-wide as being flaky. And I don't think anybody – he's put in the David Irving category, I think, for a lot of people. Um, The talent's always been there, but I just – I don't know that you want to trust – or put any sort of trust in Josh Gordon? No, I don't think so either. And, you know, with them keeping all those wide receivers, they're probably super happy with the guys they got until until proven otherwise. Question from Sam. How much time as a slot wide receiver do we realistically think Pollard gets this season? Brian, do you think we're getting faked out any? Yes, I do. do. (laughs) I do. I, I think there's going to be times where they're going to use him, motion him out, things like that. But to say he's going to play straight slot, it might come on some third down stuff. But if you're asking me, oh, is he going to play it 40, 50 percent of the time, whatever, I, I think I think there are going to be some special things that they're going to do to try and match him up uh, on people. But playing slot 60 percent of the time, I don't see that happen. All right. And uh, final question here uh, comes from listener Bobby Belt. And uh, Brian brought us, uh, we got the the sad news this week that Ernie Zampezi, the yeah. Cowboys offensive coordinator, uh, one of the the more innovative offensive minds. Eric Coriel. Uh, of the modern NFL. Yeah. Uh, passed away at the age of 86. Um, just And this actually comes from Sean Sharif, I guess, technically. Sean wanted to ask me on the air to ask you this question. When we talk about guys like Ernie Zampezi and the impact that they had on the game. Um, and obviously, yeah, coming from that Air Coriel system, I think if you talk about the two most, the two biggest godfathers of the modern passing game, it's probably Bill Walsh and Don Coriel. Yeah. Don Coriel talked about how Ernie Zampezi was the brightest offensive coach he ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
what what kind of impact when when we say that man the influence of an Ernie Zampezi or things like that? What were some of the the hallmarks you think of, of Ernie Zampezi as an offensive mind that that have either maintained through today or things that were were built on by by other coaches into the future? Yeah, I think we're Ernie Zampezi very unselfish as a coach. And Jerry Jones tells the story and he told it with you this morning about uh, with him and coming in personal meetings and things like that. Ernie had no ego. Ernie had a, uh, a, a presence about him where he was always very pleasant. He was very funny. He was easy to get along with. You could see why him and Troy Aikman, Norv Turner, and those guys all hit it off so well. Because Ernie had a, a way about him that he taught the game in a very simplistic way, but it was a way that you knew that if you followed the plan that, that you were going to have success, and they did. They really had success. They were the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history when you look at Troy Aikman, the way he threw the ball. Trust me, competing against him when I was in Green Bay was so, so difficult. You know, and like with Ernie, he was uh, – you know, the, the things that he was – there's things that this still with the West Coast schemes, the Bill Walsh's and the the passing game, the vertical passing games and things like that that we've seen, you know, he's had a hand in all that. You know, we still see some of the route combinations, uh, you know, the way that, you know, the way that quarterbacks are taught. His son, Ken, uh, is a, a coach in the league. You know, he carries that on like his dad. I just remember Ernie being a great teacher and, you know, scheme wise, you know, it just, it seems so simple the way they were doing things, but you couldn't stop them because of how simple it was, but the type of players that were running the routes and throwing the football. And I think that you look at the 90s Super Bowl Cowboys, uh, Ernie Zampese is a guy that had a big, big influence on that. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you know, one of the the notable routes, like, you know, we, we all hear different play calls and, and things like that, like Philly special is one yeah. out of the years. 525 F post yeah. is a, a, a Coriel staple. That was something that Ernie Zampezi had a big hand in developing. That became a big part of North Turner's offensive scheme. Sure did. Sure did. Uh, and, and, that, and that came from North Turner's time with Ernie Zampezi. Ernie Zampezi was also a big factor in, in three receiver sets becoming kind of the norm in the NFL. And uh, so definitely a legend of the game. Uh, Somebody that I know a lot of people in Dallas are, are are heartbroken to hear about his passing Uh, a real throwback. I I told you, Hey, if you're smoking cigarettes in the coach's box, you're, you're, (laughs) you're a big time throwback there. There's plenty of videos of him just, tapping a cigarette on the desk it up, yeah. up right in the middle of a play sheet. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ernie Zampezi, very sad news, uh, passing away at the age of 86. A, a real legend. Had a hell of a run, yeah. man. Yeah, somebody run. who has a big impact, not just on the modern NFL, but specifically to Dallas Cowboys history. All right, Brian, that does it for us. Uh, we're going to reconvene again on Friday. Uh, talk a little bit more about where this football team's headed. Hopefully we have some more specifics on some of the procedural moves that they've made related to the roster. Until then, we will talk to you guys later.